Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris, and today is co-host Sebastian. Hello, hello. We're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So, Sebastian, we're a little bit late this week to the game, but such is life with our schedules between Ottawa and Copenhagen. But it's, it's been a pretty busy week for me. How about you? Oh, man. Just came back on Monday from... Uh little family holiday to Prince Edward Island for the first time in two years. Went there for, you know, my wife's grandma's 90th birthday, so it was fun. Um, got to see some family, got to eat some awesome seafood, got to just be in my favorite place in the whole wide world. Ranks are a, sec- a close second, but I gotta say, P- I rank in PI probably, like, I, I did my mind would just blow, I think. But it was a great time. Got to uh, see Trevor Peters, who was the head coach that coached with last year at Crown Place. He's now the assistant coach up there in Summerside. So, you know, had a couple adult beverages, had some chats about hockey and, you know, kind of talked about last year and what we're looking forward to this year. And uh, got back to probably the busiest work week of my life. Uh, work doesn't stop, apparently. So uh, it, it's been busy. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, it's been busy for us, too. We finally got our residency cards here in Denmark. And I guess the items that we need in order to finally get the real internet and everything. So I'm just running out my uh, my temporary phone plan internet. Why pay double when I've already got one I can just abuse and use up. I'm looking forward to getting some upgraded podcasting equipment as I had to leave mine in Canada upon breaking it. It's, it's been busy, but it's been a good week. I've, I've accomplished a lot this week for sure. Yeah, you know the worst part is we talk about busy weeks. I mean... Um, I, you know, obviously this is a hockey podcast, so I think I have to bring it up. I mean, I've got one of, I want to say maybe one of the busiest hockey weekends that starts on a Thursday. Today we got a our first preseason game against uh, St. Andrews College, which is a college team that plays in the Junior B League in Toronto. So it's a very high-end league, like a lot of good players. So we play them today. It's just kind of like a friendly match. They're very good. They're very speedy. They got kids from kind of all over the world. Uh, but we're playing in a small barn, so you know we're hoping to to be physical and kind of maybe eliminate a little bit of their speeds. We're, we're fast too, but we play a different style of game, so that'll be interesting. And then we have a day break, and then we go back to back exhibition games again to to wrap up our exhibition season. Just for uh, for our season starts on uh, October second, I believe it is. So as busy as this week was, this weekend's even busier, and I think next week's going to be just as busy. But hey, busy hockey's good busy. Busy hockey is good busy. You can tell it's autumn. Autumn started yesterday officially, but you can definitely tell it's autumn because hockey has been plentiful. In fact, that's what we're going to start this podcast talking about prior to actually getting into our all-time dream team Russian lines as we did earlier last month where we talked about our dream team Canadian and American lines. We're going to be doing the Russian lines, but first we're going to talk about some hockey that's been going on this past weekend and a little bit of the weekend before. And we're going to start right there with the Northeast Generals because they actually started their season on the road against the Danbury Junior Hattricks on the 8th and 9th of September. Both Northeast and Danbury started the same goalies. And Northeast started 19-year-old out of Rono, Minnesota, Carson Limesan. And the Danbury Junior Hattricks started the 20-year-old out of Trenton, Michigan, Sealy. But yeah, game one was a low-scoring affair. The Northeast Generals' goal scores included Minahan, McCarthy, and Schubert, and Danbury's lone goal scorer was Mike Salandra. It was a 3-1 to game, but really, really good game there for the Northeast Generals. You want to obviously show up, especially on the road. I mean, I, that's I, I love starting the season at home. I mean, that's what we have this year, and, and you know, it's kind of got, you get the nerves out. So going on the road and putting on a good showing is, is always a good thing. Um, it doesn't matter. Honestly, obviously, you want to win every time. Uh, but it doesn't matter if you win or lose. I think if you go on the road and you put a good showing on for your first game, your guys are gelling, guys are going well, you know, that's what you look for in game one. 
Yeah, and the goalies were definitely gelling in that game because there was a couple real highlight saves I'm going to briefly touch on. With about seven seconds remaining in the second, Line Sam comes up absolutely huge with a save to keep the game at 3-1 to one, as a defensive player trips up and leaves a hat-trick player just coming in alone. He tries to dig him out, but Lime Sam stood up tall with an excellent stretched-out leg pad save. And not to be topped, Sealy kind of gives the puck away and then makes a diving save to keep it out of the net. And this was a second great save of the game. I mean, these guys... Sealy and Limesand were just playing amazing. And honestly, the Sealy thing just kind of gave me strong Marc-Andre Fleury vibes. <laughs> he's he's kind of got that Marc-Andre Fleury, like, aggressive tendy style where he loves to be out, involved, and, and be part of the play. And it's a good and bad thing because he can make some excellent saves and, and get the puck moving. But that, that could have been a very ugly, ugly goal there for Danbury to allow. Yeah, and I mean, talking about, you know, the save by the generals there, I think that's one of those ones where as a defenseman, uh, you're buying dinner for the goalie after when, you know, you, you kind of make a, a bit of a bit of a gaffe and, you know, you force him to make a big save. So as for Danbury, I mean, you made your own mistake and he, he came up and he made the big save. So uh, tap on the pads. But uh, as a defenseman, I always felt awful when you, you know, you slip or you make the wrong read or whatever it is and you force your goalie to make a big save. So it's kind of, uh, if, if you boys are listening, uh, better take care of your tendy. Absolutely. Take care of your attendees. We we appreciate that. We do. But yeah, again, the game ended three to one. Limestand stopped 43 of 44 and Sealy stopped 40 of 43. Game two was also in Danbury. Limestand was again fantastic in this game. Huge save after huge save. Seriously. I mean, I could bring up so many. It's stupid. But the goal scores for the NEG was Volkzar and Kiefer. And really for me, the play of the game came down to Anderchuk, who actually got a pair of goals, but he got a lead pass from Minahan, Zesima and Anderchuk break in on a two-on-two and execute perfect give-and-go as Anderchuk passes to Zezima and he feeds it back to Anderchuk and Anderchuk goes low glove side on a backhand and buries it. I mean, this play from Menahan's lead pass to Zezima and Anderchuk going back and forth, you can't write up a better outcome. I mean, it was just a beautifully executed give-and-go. No, I agree. And honestly, like as a coach, even as a player, I used to hate those. Like, And I still do as a coach, like those two-on-ohs because – you always got the two guys that just want to be friendly and they're passing to each other because they don't want to be the guy who shoots. But I'm always like, just be the guy who shoots. So I'm glad, you know, when I first saw this, I'm like, oh, are they just going to pass back and forth and then they're going to run out of real estate and, you know, kind of a wasted option. But, you know, I'm glad someone took charge of that one and buried it. Uh, perfectly executed play. But then they also, Klein and Kolnick scored and Danbury had a pair of goals scored by Salander and Scalos. For the third period, Adam Johnson came in in relief. He's the 18-year-old out of Chicago, Illinois. I think the game was already 5-1 to one at that point, but uh, the game ended 6-2 to two in the Northeast Generals' favor. The last real highlight I wanted to talk about in this game was Lime Sand with another huge save on a breakaway with 7.36 remaining in the game. As a player tries to cut cross crease and Lime Sand sticks out his right leg pad, but I believe he made the save with his blocker uh, as the player tried to lift it high. I think he stopped it with his blocker. If in fact he did, what an, just an epic save. Yeah, that's like that's. I mean, I always tell our players, you no know, battle, 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 and that's how goalie battles. I mean, you're kind of hung out to dry, and you just battle and make that save. Yeah, absolutely awesome. Sealy had uh, 21 to 26. Johnson came in and stopped 89, and Limesand stopped 52 of 54 attempts. Now the Generals move on to the NHL Showcase. And this happened from the 15th to the 18th of September. We're not going to be specifying any highlights in in this series, but we're going to quickly touch on the fact of how each game kind of unfolded for the Northeast Generals. But on the 15th versus the Bismarck Bobcats, Limesend was in net, and Bismarck started Tommy Aiken, the 19-year-old of Winchester, Massachusetts. This was a great back-and-forth game. 
end-to-end action. Love the black and white jerseys. Northeast Generals, honestly, pretty sick. Got that very uh, Chicago Blackhawks look that Sebastian loves. And uh, it was a tight game, too, with the Generals edging out the Bobcats 3-2. to Bobcats goals came from Beacom and Holt in the first, and then uh, all three of the Generals goals coming in the second from McCarthy, Manzaus, and Gordon. Aiken stopped 24 of 27, and Limestand stopped 26 of 28. This this weekend, like, you're talking about like all the shots and saves and all that kind of stuff. Like those, these were some pretty heavy shot games. Like you know, sometimes you get teams that like will you know shoot 30 and the other team only gets 15 shots. Like this was a, this was a, a well, this is a good battle for these teams. It is the, honestly the whole showcase was awesome, and anyone who got tickets was definitely not shy of all the hockey they could get for those tickets. So on the 16th, they faced the New Mexico Ice Wolves. The Northeast General started Cameron Kunter, the 18-year-old out of Buffalo, New York. And New Mexico started Owen Park, the 19-year-old out of Buffalo, New York. So this is a battle of the Buffalo kids, I will say. That was awesome for me as a Buffalonian. But uh, first off, I want to say I also love the Ice Wolves jerseys. And the more and more I see them, uh, I really, really like them, man. Yeah, these Ice Wolves jerseys, like I said, they. I think when we talked about them, I kind of hit them on this logo. And, and it is what it is. I mean, the logo, it is what it is. But... This style of jersey, I mean, I love the black and red, and they had that blue in there. I think, you know, they did a great job on the jersey again. I'm not going to get into the logo because that, that, that was already an episode, and that could be its own episode again. And uh, I suppose, listen, I love you guys, but I'm not a logo fan. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the logo, so I suppose, listen, I'll take a, uh, I'll take a replica <laughs> jersey. They're, they're pretty sick. But very well-played tight game here. No scoring in the first. And the Northeast General Conkick made it one nothing in the second. And then early in the third, the Ice Wolves responded with a goal from Leahy, and then Bentley uh, gets a shorthanded goal to put the Ice Wolves up 2-1. to one. Hutchinson buried an empty netter late. Wolves took this game 3-1. to one. Kunter stopping 24 of 26, and Parker stopping 21 of 22. Then you move on to the 17th with the Minnesota Magicians. Northeast General started Limesand again, and the Minnesota started Michael Bashaw, the 17-year-old out of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. I hope I pronounced Fondula properly because <laughs> I, I love slaughtering a good name there. Uh, Listen, but this if you a, didn't pronounce it wrong, you're just welcome to the Hall of Fame. That's all you it's, – it's an honor, actually. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I tell you, it's, it's, it, is, it is my gift, and that probably will end up in the Hall of Fame for that. But this is a goal scorers game. Is there's only 44 shots between the two teams, but nine goals. The Northeast Generals' goal scorers included Scott, Ram, Kiefer, and Marzaus. Minnesota's goal scorers included Barbie, Tushy, Zarnecki, Longi, and Longi actually had two, uh, including the game-winning goal, and it was 5-4 to four for the Magicians. Limestand stopped 21 of 26, and Bashaw stopped 14 of 18. And the final game of the weekend for the Northeast Generals at the showcase was against the Amarillo Wranglers. Northeast Generals started Kuntar, and the Wranglers started Marco Duranio, the 20-year-old out of Detroit, Michigan. Another tight game here, Amarillo's goal scorers included Spinner, Levkus, Vidrick, and Scrastens. And the Generals' goal scorers included Minahan, Kiefer, and Gordon. But it wasn't enough as the Wranglers took this one 4-3. Kumitar stopping 20 of 24, and Duranio stopping 29 of 32. So the general season started off pretty well, man. 3-0, rocking hard. These games, though, that they lost, man, those were all tight affairs. Yeah, it's not like they, you know, they went out and got killed or, you know, they obviously played well. I mean, you get three wins, so, I mean, that that's obviously a positive. And obviously the losses, whatever, you, those are good as well as the service season. You know, you get to see on film what worked, what didn't work, good habits, bad habits, and you're able to kind of mold the team into where you want to go. So, I mean, start with that start, I don't think they're going to be too mad. No, I don't think so either. I think they got some issues that they can work out there, but ultimately I think the teams are playing fantastic and they've got some amazing amazing talent on the generals this season so but now we're going to move into the usphl and talk about battle quacktastic 
the Rum River Mallards versus the Devil's Ducks. I loved watching these jerseys, two gorgeous, gorgeous high-ranking jerseys on my all-time North American jersey ranking list so far. So was excited to sit down and watch these games. The Dells Ducks started Anthony Falzone, the 18-year-old out of Prosper, Texas, and the Rum River Mallards started Connor Carroll, the 19-year-old out of Stittsville, Ontario. I'm sure you have no idea where that is. Now, the Rum River goal scores included um, Petty, who got his first of two goals in the game, and Mitchell got his first junior goal, and Grinjambi scored. Now, Dells Ducks in the first period, Cartland got his first junior goal, and Kopstein got his first junior goal, and at the end of the first, it was 3-2. to two. Here's where the, the story gets weird in the game. Cooper Brzezinski. What a game. He gets his first goal of the game about halfway through, and it, it really did remain competitive. But about eight minutes remaining in the second, the Rum River Mallards start running away at the game as uh, Brzezinski gets a natural hat trick and then adds an additional goal in the second. So that's a total of four goals in that period and an additional two goals in the third for a total of six goals alone in this game, man. Not a bad game whatsoever. No, I, that's that's absolutely absolutely stunning. And he did get a, the Dan K show Player of the Week for his performance. Because wow, seriously, oh, yeah. what a performance! I, I um, hope so. now, yeah, I mean, what a performance. He's not the only one that's going to be awarded with the Dan K show award this week in this podcast because we had some amazing players of the games we were watching this week. There was a lot of great players this week, but out of the games I watched, two of them got named out there. So Brzezinski, well done. Um, now Parnell gets. Two for the Rum River Mallards, and Nicholson gets one for the Rum River Mallards. But both Gunkowski and Jacobson add goals for the Dells Ducks. Jacobson's was also a shorthanded penalty shot to cut the Rum River lead down to 8-4 to four at the time, but that's as close as it got. This game ended 13-4 to four in favor of the Rum River Mallards. At some point in this game, the Dells Ducks drew Mosley, the 18-year-old on Missouri, came in in relief for the Dells Ducks, and the Rum River Mallards actually replaced out their goalie, and Gage Guy came in, and he's out of Anchorage, Alaska, but man, what a, what a game! And then we just move into the 18th before we even talk about wrapping that up. The Rum River Mallard started Zach Dodson, the 18-year-old of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and the Dells Ducks started Drew Mosley. Mosley was killing it in the first half of the game. The Rum River Mallards were relentless, just absolutely relentless, and just unleashed on him. And the Ducks' defense just couldn't keep the puck out of the zone. This game was 2-0 for the Rum River Mallards after the first with the goal contributions from Schmidt and Heiderscheid, but the Rum River Mallards added three more in the second to make it 5-0 with goals from Mitchell Brown and Petty, and then Dodson relieved Tristan Shushier, the 18-year-old out of St. Peter's, Missouri, halfway through the game after facing only four shots himself. But the third period saw Mitchell, Petty, and Heiderscheid adding each of their second goals, and the lone goal contribution from the Dells Ducks was Logan Deneen, and this game ended with a score in favor of the Rum River Mallards is 8-1. to one. Dodson stopped all four shots he faced. Sucher stopped 7 of 8. And Mosley stopped 55 of 61 before being relieved by Felzone, who stopped 13 of 15. 76 shots on net by Rum River. 76 shots, man, in one game. And, I mean, that's just a team that just, I mean, is dominating and is, is just trying to score on every opportunity, right? I mean, those are guys that we had, we, had, we talked to before, you know, you want 2 one and you're trying to make too many passes. Those are guys that were just taught to shoot the puck, and obviously they shot the puck pretty well. They absolutely did. Uh, just a dominating performance by the Mallards this weekend. And for anyone that's looking, the Rum River Mallards are hosting their home opener against the Steel County Blades on the 25th at 7 p.m. Get out there and check them out. I also failed to mention the Northeast Generals will be hosting officially their home opener seven games into the season against the Tomahawks on the 24th of September at 7 p.m. at the New England Sports Village. Get out there and support those teams and watch some awesome local junior hockey. 
Now we move on to the Ogden Mustangs and Northern Colorado Eagles weekend set. Wow. Really awesome showing by both these teams. And let's just jump into it, man. These games were the 17th and 19th of September. For the first game on the 17th, the Eagles started Charles Anthony Barbeau, the 19 year old of St. Remy, Quebec. Is that right? That is correct. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the Stangs started uh, Salah Sadut, the 17 year old out of Kiev, Ukraine. Now, Barbeau had some nice saves until his team got into trouble, specifically one on a breakaway just under five minutes in, and then another stunner almost halfway through the second at 11.03 on the clock, uh, where basically he just made another stunning play where puck tracking was key. And finally, another cost crease save a minute later on yet another penalty. Not sure if it was a leg or a glove, but it was a beauty of a save. All he could do with the penalty issues was just try to keep the puck out of the net. You, you just got to relieve him at some point there. It was just the Mustangs were just going to town. The defense for the Eagles in the game one were, was nowhere to be seen. And then uh, Ethan Haglund, the 19-year-old out of Prior Lake, Minnesota, comes in relief halfway through the game. Now, the collapse of the Eagles, in my opinion, in this game was due to an undisciplined penalty after a tying goal by Washko, a 2-2. Two two. This led to a five-minute major. It really destroyed all the Eagles' hard work. And that actually led to the player also being suspended after the game. But Ogden made him pay. They really did. Because at that point, this game was close. And it was, again, this was a tying goal by Ogden. Ogden just ran away with the game at that point. Because goal additions by rookie D-man Luke Foss, Julio Rosello, and Jake Muir made this game 5-2 to two out of nowhere. So just a complete loss of control there by the Eagles player that really cost his team the game. As this game ended at 9-3. to three, with other singles, contributions come from Kate Herrera with two, Seth Jones with one, and rookie Voyatsis and Semino each adding their first goal. And better yet, Semino had family in town from Colorado Springs for his first goal, so it was an awesome moment there for the Semino family to share. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun, you know, having family in, in the stands, especially after a year that was COVID and, you know, things were a little off and not everyone was able to go watch, so glad he was able to put on a show for them. Yeah, it was it was great. And the, the Eagles goals contributions come from Brandon Freifogel having two and Ethan Pittsman adding a knuckler late in the second. Barbeau stopped 24 of 30, Hagelin stopped 14 of 17, and Sarduk stopped 34 of 37 in his Ogden Mustangs debut. On the 18th, had a lot of fun going back and forth with the Eagles and Stangs fans on Twitter because I got to see the games on the 18th and 19th live because they were earlier in the afternoon in Mountain Standard Time. So I was stoked to actually watch these games live. And again, it was a lot of fun. Now, Hagman was in net for the Eagles. And rookie Antonio Tarantino, the 19-year-old of Fremont, California, was in net for the Stangs. I will say this performance for Tarantino earned him a Dan K Player of the Week performance. Dude, this kid came out on fire. Yeah, I mean, like we talked about before, getting that Dan K, obviously, you've got to obviously have a special game, special week. And I mean, this kid, like you said, was just absolutely on fire. And I think don't think that there was a better way for him to start the season. And obviously, the confidence is probably through the roof. Yeah, it was, it was just great to see him there in that. This game had more penalties than shots on net, in my opinion. The game felt a bit out of control at some points and uh, slightly dangerous with some unnecessary hits at others. But dominating performance by Tarantino seriously couldn't be overshadowed as he posted his first ever win and shutout for the Stangs with a 4 nothing win. And the goal contributions for the Stangs were Voyadas. The Furious, Juriusillo, Washko, and Seth Jones. Now, there was a highlight moment in this game. Weird highlight, but I love hockey smart plays. Around 13-20 remaining in the third, Xavier Fortin, the 18-year-old D-man out of Quebec, blows an edge and does an excellent job actually keeping full control of the puck and being fully aware of his surroundings to prevent the Ogden break-in and pull off an off-the-board pass. 
seriously, he he blew an edge. This was this was going to be a breakaway easily. I think it was Seth Jones. I can't remember who the Ogden player was, but Fortin, full hockey awareness, gets the puck almost Ovechkin style, banks it around himself off the boards and out of danger, out of the zone. I'm like, to me, unusual highlight, but I love, love, love high hockey IQ plays. Obviously, puts himself in a bit of, uh, you know, you're kind of in a bit of a pickle, and you, and you see those guys, and they've got high hockey IQ. Okay, you say that one three times fast, please. You know, it, it's always fun to watch. I mean, I honestly rather see a smart little play like that than sometimes, you know, a goal or whatever, and, and get me wrong, I mean, I love goals, but when you see a guy that's got uh, a high IQ, and I'm not going to say hockey IQ, because that's, that's just not working for me right now, it's always, you know, it's always a nice play, and it, it doesn't always make the highlight reels, because it's not a, you know, a goal or a big assist, but it's it's definitely, you know, an important part of hockey, and I love seeing them. Yeah, I, I just thought, well, I had to point it out because it was such a smart play and just kept the game close. Now, Haglin stood strong, stopping 31 to 34, and Tarantino stopped all 35 faced. To wrap up the weekend, you had the game on the 19th. So in net for Northern Colorado's Barbeau and in net for the Ogden Mustangs was Randon Stripling, the 18-year-old out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. This one had Noko goal scores in the first, Wams and Heidergoat, and a really great highlight play with, with Stripling making a beautiful right pad save. Yeah, I mean, good save at a great time. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really was. But yeah, it was a great game. The Eagles came away with this one. This was a tight contest, but it was really, really fun to see these games and actually be able to watch them live. I had a blast watching them. It was, uh, it was really excellent. So congratulations to both teams earning wins that weekend. Ogden coming away with two, Northern Colorado coming away with one. And if you want to see the Ogden Mustangs home opener, check it out. It will be Friday, September 24th, hosting the Northern Colorado Eagles at the ice sheet at 715. And then the Northern Colorado Eagles actually move on to face both Utah and Provo the following nights doing their little Utah tour. So if you catch the Eagles and the Outliers at the Court Ice Arena at 630 on Saturday night and on Sunday afternoon, you can catch them at the Provo River Blades at Peaks Ice Arena at 205 Mountain Standard Time. I love this time of year. Lots of great, great hockey plays. Lots of great hockey games. Can't wait to see these teams move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we talked about at the start of this podcast, you know, the autumn, hockey season's back. I mean, I think we're in our happy place now. Oh, and talk about happy place. We're going to talk about some Russian dream team lines. Now, me and you could go into details on certain players on these lists. I had to look up some of them just because I'm not as familiar with some of the Soviet players. It wasn't my era. I made sure I didn't want to exclude or any excellent Soviet player on this team for a uh, all-time Russian team. So we won't go into crazy details on some of these players, but if you hear a name you don't recognize, look them up, look at their history. Man, I'm so I tell you what, I'm so excited about my team. I did a bit of a mix. I kind of the guys that I've grown up watching, the guys that I kind of like now. You know, I've got some of the older school players that you need to have in there. So I mean, I'm sure some of you be like, well, you know, you missed 1972's top leading score. Yeah, I did. I, I did. I can tell you, that I did. <laughs> I put a team together that I think would be super exciting to watch. You know, Russian hockey is usually super exciting to watch, anyways. So if you don't like my list, that's fine. I'm okay with it. I don't like your list, and I haven't even heard it yet. Good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's start off in goalies, man. Who's your depth goalie for your Russian team? So my depth goalie, I to me. I think that could be way off, but I think this is going to be the goalie of the future for Russia. This is Shesterkin out of the New York Rangers. Uh, young kid, great goalie. I think he's hopefully, with I think was right in my mind, I think he'll end up being kind of one of the top Russian goalies of all time. All right. Yeah, really good choice there. For me, I went with my depth goalie being Nikolai Habibulin 
Now, both me and Nikolai Habibulin have the same guy who painted our helmets. So if you check them out, Resurrection Custom Painting, shout out for them. But uh, yeah, Nikolai Habibulin, man, in his prime, to, for me, just to have him as a depth player just tells you about how great the two goalies I have that are uh, the starter and the backup are. Yeah, I mean, the Bulin wall is a pretty good third guy there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. So who's your backup goalie and starter? So my backup goalie and starter, I think it's going to be like what I had with Team Canada, where it's a 1A, 1B situation. And um, that's Vasilevsky and Trechak. I mean, I think that's just like, you know, the goalie of the past, that was just the absolute stud. And the goalie of right now, that's the absolute stud for Russia. So, I mean, to me, I think those have got to be one and two. I mean, one day they could be one, the next day they could be two. But these are just two absolute studs of goaltenders. Yeah, it broke my heart to leave Vasilevsky off my list. I, I don't think it's going to be a shock to our audience that I also picked Tretiak as my 1A. <laughs> uh, you're probably talking about the best goalie of all time. And how could you not have him as your starter? But my backup is slightly different. I went with Vladimir Mushkin. Uh, now, he was a goaltender for like the Dynamo Moscow and the Soviet Union national team in the 70s and 80s. And that was a hell of a team to be putting on the ice there. And so it just felt right if I was going to have Tretiak as my starter to have Mishkin backing him right up. I just think what, what a dirty, dirty duo. It's funny. When I was doing this, I'm like, Russia's very good at pumping out forwards and absolutely goaltending studs the defense are good don't get me wrong but like you can tell why they like to score a lot of goals and have great goaltenders there is there's definitely a focus but speaking of defensemen let's see who's your depth defenseman before we go into our pairs so for me i'm kind of going off the rails here a little bit i went quite young because i think that their new core of defensemen coming up through and kind of already are in the nhl or in the khl are kind of the better ones in my opinion like again i didn't get to watch the old Russian battles back in the day. So I'm kind of going off what I know. And uh, for my depth guy, it's Mikhail Sergeyev from the Tampa Bay Lightning. I just think he's a big body, moves the puck very well. He's a young kid. And I think that as NHL players are now allowed back in the Olympics, you're going to see these guys really get produced and, and kind of become stars in the international way. No, oh, no, I, I completely agree with you. Super, super talented player there. For me, my depth player was Alexei Kasantinov. Now he's a longtime partner of Fatisov and one of the, I guess, the defensemen that formed the famed Green Unit. Considering my other Russian players, I just had to bump him down to my depth guy. But I think we have some pretty great depth players there. So let's talk about our bottom pairing. Who's your bottom pairing? So for me, my bottom pairing, I've got uh, Provorov out of Philly and Orlov out of Washington. Uh, again, just two young guys who I think are just going to be, are already studs, but I think are going to be international studs now that they're kind of being able to play again at the international level uh, for the Olympics. I think people are going to see them. And don't get me wrong, I think there was a ton of good defensemen that were older, but to me, I kind of, again, I see the younger generation being a better defense core than kind of what was back in the day. Yeah, me and you are definitely going to agree to disagree in terms of, they definitely have great defensive players coming up. But when it comes to the Russian defense, I definitely went for more of the, I guess, the older guys, the historical guys at this point. So for me, my my bottom defensive pairing was Alexander Ragulin, who personified the Russian bear. I guess kind of the player that no forward really wanted to confront, I guess, back in the day. And then uh, Ilya Nikulin, who played with the Russia Super League and the KHL. Looking at their stats, looking at their history, I couldn't help but have these guys as my bottom line defensive pairing. That said... Who's your middle defensive pairing? So for me, uh, again, I think these are just these are a couple older guys. They're no longer in the NHL, but a couple of older guys that played and 
kind of in the era where I was kind of watching it. And um, that's Zubov, who played, obviously, for, you know, the Stars. And then Markov, who was a big defenseman for, for Munch all the time. And I just think these are just both great puck-moving guys. The teammates always seem to love them. So, I mean, I'm building a team, and I want to build a good, you know, core. I had to go with these two guys. Uh, good cause, Sergei Zubov. He's part of my middle-line defensive pairing as well. So we both have him as our middle-line guy. I'm pairing him with Valerie Vesalyev. Again, looking at what some of these players did in the past that I wasn't as familiar with, but did my research on, I, I, I'm comfortable to pair Zubov with him. But Markov is, again, not a bad choice. Who's your top-line defensive Russian pairing? So for my top line, I think I had to go for you know the guy that's there to me the most, especially that I got to watch the most, and that's Gonchar. He just seemed to just never stop. I mean, he was in the NHL for so long. He was a great leader, played for you know multiple different teams. And then again, this is where I threw it out back to you know the old school where I uh, I, I gave him a, a partner in Fatisov. Yeah, good good call. I think uh, Fatisov's a great partner. I, he is my top defensive guy on this pairing but instead of pairing him with Sergey Gonchar I paired him with Vladimir Konstantinov Konstantinov in his prime oh my god <laughs> and these guys were uh these guys were tight man this is this is a good group of guys right here and I guess me and you kind of went a little bit different on our on our defensive pairings but that's kind of fun that's kind of it's, it's interesting to see the guys you set up on defensive pairings and goaltending and and the guys I picked up and I'm excited to see what we do with our with our forwards that said, man, who, who who do you have as your fourth line? So for my fourth line, these are all kind of current guys, and I do have some of the older guys mixed in here, but um, there's just so much high talent in today's game that I had to go with these. And I've got um, Barkov, who was usually centered by moving the left wing. That's kind of the only guy I really tried to move over. Uh, Malkin and actually Svechnikov out of Carolina. Um, I just think that he's the new age skill forward out of Russia and he's he's doing a lot of good things and I think that you know right now yeah he's a young guy and he's playing very well but I think moving forward now as now the Olympics are back and all you know world championships and all that are going to start happening again I think this guy's going to start becoming a top Russian player now my fourth line I decided was left winger I wanted Artemi Panarin I think just just an excellent Excellent skilled forward. He's going to be centered by Igor Larionov, and he's going to have Sergei Makarov as his right wing. I mean, that's not a bad line at all. No, I think it's pretty good. Who's your third line? Uh, my third line is centered by the GOAT, Larionov. Uh, and then we have Makarov on his right wing. And this kid, who <laughs> I love this kid. And on his left wing, I have Kaprizov because I think this guy just scores goals and is just like the prototypical Russian hockey player. <laughs> he really is, and he really just does score goals. For mine on left winger, uh, I had a little bit of problem with it, but I decided to go with it anyways. I thought about the player in his prime, but on left wing, I went Ilya Kovalchuk, and I have his centerman is Evgeny Malkin and right winger Pavel Bure. I think a Kovalchuk Malkin Bure line is just dirty, just dirty. Oh yeah, trust me, you, Pavel Bure's name is going to come up again here soon because I think he was one of the greatest of all time to come out of Russia. Yeah, completely, completely agree here. So second line. So second line on left wing, I've got Krutov, you know, a little bit more of throwback. And, and the guy that I would put on the C on his chest just because his style was so good. And that's Fedorov. Uh, I think he was he was always one of my favorite players growing up. And he was just, I had to put him on here. And then on his wing is, I think, the best Russian player right now in Kucherov. No kidding. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a dirty line, man. That's a dirty line. It, to me, it's just kind of you just got a lot of goal scoring on that line, and I mean, they're they're my second line for a reason. And you know, once we go into first line, I'll, I'll explain a little more. Okay, 
for my second line and mix a little bit of old with some new. Uh, I had to have Pavel Datsuk as my centerman on this line, but I had him winged with Valery Karlamov and Boris Mikhailov on his wing because those two played together in the 70s and they were just a – I don't think I could break them up, man. I just couldn't do it, but I stuck Datsuk in the middle, and I think that would just be just another unfair line to go up against. Yeah, and I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> That's a scary line, and uh, I actually, I actually left those guys right off my roster. That's how I, that's how I broke them up because I just think that the line I have here would just be the scariest line. So again, at center, I've got the magician, the magic man, Datsuk. I mean, that guy's ageless. That guy is nasty. I mean, he was so fun to watch. He still is. Um, Beside him, I've got, on the left wing, I've got Ovi. I mean, talk about just scoring goals. I mean, it's like Kaprizov senior, basically. I mean, in, in a way where, I mean, like Kaprizov is kind of reminds me of a, a young Ovi where he's just reckless in scoring goals. But Ovi's kind of matured his game a little bit, and, and but still just absolutely filling the net and is a great leader. And then on his other wing, my favorite Russian player of all time, Pavel Bure. Love, love Pavel Bure. There's nothing else I could say. I mean, my dream jersey one day is to just get one of the old school black Vancouver jerseys with, you know, 10 Bray on the back or, you know, 96 when you roll that number. Man, I used to just playing ball hockey outside of street hockey, always be like, yeah, I'm Pavel Bray, 96, because he was just, he was a stud. So I think I had to have him my first line. And, you know, he was just probably better. And Makarov was probably, but, you know, may have been better. But, you know what, to me, it's Pavel Bray was just an absolute stud. And I just loved his game. Yeah, I mean, you, you made some awesome selections there. I mean, I've had both Pavel Datsuk and Pavel Bure on my lines. One made it second line, one made it third line. But my first line, I'm in love with my first line. And so on center, I have Sergei Fedorov, by far one of my favorite Russian players of all time. I got to stand behind him once in line in, in Vancouver at, at the airport, and that was, I guess, my claim to fame now at this point. <laughs> was I stood behind Sergei Fedorov in a Le Cavalier jersey, so... There that is. But on his wings, I have the Alexanders. Naturally, on left wing, Alexander Ovechkin, but on right wing, Alexander McGillney. To have McGillney paired with Fedorov and Ovechkin, I just think this would be just an unstoppable line. And I believe Sergey got to play with both of them. I think Sergey played with both McGillney and Ovechkin in the league because I think Fedorov came over to kind of mentor Ovechkin with the Capitals towards the end of Fedorov's career. And he definitely played off against McGillney at different points in his career. I mean, those guys were in the league at the same time. And I just can't imagine a line of McGillney, Fedorov, and Ovechkin all in their primes. I just don't think he'd be able to stop them. No, and I agree. And honestly, like, McGillney's one that, like, I left off just kind of getting some new blood into this. But McGillney, such a good hockey player. And honestly, like, when I was looking at the Russian forwards, I think you can make seven teams and still have depth. Like, it's just ridiculous the forwards they've pumped out in their lifetime. Yeah, th- just think about it. I mean, I almost had no active players on my roster. And just think about the – like you've listed a bunch of them, but just think about all the active Russian players in the National Hockey League right now. And, I mean, Kiprasov is coming up. You just have some just just unreal, sick, 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 sick talent coming out of Russia right now. And But like you said, you can make seven teams and just have an incredible depth. I think the lines we created were awesome. I'd, and we'd love to hear what you fans – think of our Russian lines. Did we leave people off? Of course we did. That's part of the game. You know, it's to trigger some of you listeners out there. Uh, are you are you stunned with some of the people we put on? 
that's part of the game to trigger some new listeners out there. But let us know. What do you think of our lines? Maybe create one of your own and, and tweet it at us and let us analyze your line on the podcast because you could seriously just dive deep into these rosters from both the Soviet era and modern-day Russia and just create some of the sickest hockey lines you'll ever see. That said, I think this is a great place to wrap up this episode. And uh, we just we want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in and be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHH Official to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. Sorry for this delayed podcast, but we do appreciate you listeners out there. And this was Chris and Sebastian of Pigeonhole Hockey. Thanks for listening. And remember, always clear your crease.